Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to get the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try and settle that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Well, your parents are moms, too. The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5 FM from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you are or want to be an entrepreneur or a small business person, this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a serial entrepreneur myself, and I've also counseled lots of startups and small businesses over the past 30 years. I have seen lots of mistakes, and I have made plenty myself. I dedicate this show to helping others avoid some of those potholes. The show has two goals, to help share information and resources and to inspire you and hopefully make your journey as an entrepreneur faster and easier and maybe just a little bit more fun. Now to help with that, I have guests every week on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Scott Majeski. He's here to talk about the ins and outs of franchising. Franchising, as you may or may not know, is a pretty popular business startup option there are, according to one study I saw in 2018, some 760,000 franchises in the U.S. employing more than 8 million people. Scott is the managing partner of the Chicago and Northwest Indiana office of something called FranNet, and you'll hear more about what FranNet is and does in just a minute. He's the former president of a PuroClean restoration franchise. So he knows about the process of selecting and buying and growing a franchise, as well as the stress of making a career change and becoming a business owner. Prior to that, he had 20 years of experience in the institutional investing world. He says he's born and raised in Chicago and has two young kids. Now, just a word about FranNet, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. It's an international franchise consulting firm and has been in business for more than 30 years. FranNet has over 100 locally based consultants across North America, and their business is matching people who want to be in business with a franchise that meets their needs. So with that introduction, Scott, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thanks for joining me today. Doris, thanks for having me. I think the natural place to start is what is FranNet? Talk a little bit more about that and what you do and who you help. Sure. FranNet is a franchise consulting firm. We represent a pool of franchisors who are looking for new franchisees. And we have uh, inside information about these franchisors. And we go out looking for people who are interested in exploring the world of uh, franchise businesses, people who are looking to go into business for themselves. 
And my role is to match them with a business that meets their goals and objectives, wants and needs. And, you know, we first start that process by helping educate them on what a franchise business is and what a franchise business isn't. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, what it means to be a small business owner and what that entails, because business ownership isn't for everybody and a franchise business isn't for everybody. So, you know, we want to work with people that are open-minded to an exploration and learning about small business ownership and uh, the franchise world. Well, I noticed on your website that your services are free for people who are interested in purchasing and owning a franchise or licensing a franchise, I guess. So how do you do that? So, you know, a lot of people equate us with, uh, you know, real estate agents, right? When you go buy a home, you look for a real estate agent that has expertise in a particular neighborhood, town, or city. We are experts in the franchise world, and, you know, we have our fingers on the pulse of the franchise world, and we know which one which franchises are, you know, doing well or which ones might have a temporary, you know, um, a problem within the system or are taking a break from, you know, adding new franchisees. So, you know, we're, we're experts and people come to us because we have a process that we put our clients through uh, to help them evaluate these businesses so they don't waste their time, you know, looking at businesses that may not match their goals and objectives. Yeah. And we, we do that at no cost to them, right? So our clients never pay us anything at any time, but I get compensated if uh, the client that I'm working with ends up signing an agreement with a franchisor. Franchisor will pay me a commission, which has been pre-negotiated by my corporate office because we're a franchise system as well. My responsibility is to my client, not the franchisor. So how did you become part of FranNet? Well, that's kind of a, a long story, which I'll, I'll try and make uh, as short as I can. As you mentioned earlier, I spent 20 years in the institutional investment world. And, you know, in late 2008, you know, we all remember that time period, you know, the uneasiness of the markets. And this is before, the, you know, the meltdown. Well, my two managing directors called me into the office and they were laughing about something. I don't think it was about my demise, but they were chuckling, right? I sat down. So they stopped laughing and they said, and I quote, it's you, not us, end quote. That's how they told me that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I said, okay, um, uh, do I have a severance package? And they said, yeah, you have three months to find a job. Good luck. Ouch. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So as I tell people, I was summarily dismissed from my last position. So I went out and I started, you know, looking for a job and I I was having a fantastic job search, probably the best one of my entire career. And I was talking to nine different investment firms from the West Coast to the East Coast. Then I I believe it was October of 2018 when, you know, the market crashed. And I think that was a Wednesday, Thursday. And, you know, that following Tuesday, I called these nine companies that, that I were, was in various stages of the interview process and not a single one took my call. Oh no. So end of job search. 
So February 1st was the last day uh, of my corporate career. February 3rd was my 40th birthday and the start of my first midlife crisis. So, you know, here I am 40 years old um, without a job in the beginning of the worst recession, you know, that we've ever been through, or at least, you know, our generation has been through, not really knowing what to do, but knowing that my industry is upside down. Speaking with, you know, my friends and uh, that are in the industry and, and other professionals, the investment world wasn't going to be hiring VP level people like myself for, you know, maybe two, four, six years. Nobody really knew. You know, I seriously thought that that my career in the investment world was over because I'm, I'm not the type to sit around and, you know, figure out who I am for a couple of years or, you know. Um, <laughs> well, most people, most people aren't. And it's very interesting that you're talking about this story because obviously we're going through yet another big dip. And so I'm guessing there's people who are nodding their heads this time around too, going through something similar. Well, this, this is a story that happens over and over and over. And a lot of my friend that colleagues have, have seen this, you know, in the uh, dot bomb recession and 9-11 and then the great recessions and then now through the COVID recession. So I decided at that time that, it, you know, maybe it was time for me to look into going into business for myself. I had you know, previously thought maybe that that might be a, a good thing for me to do, but I never knew how to get there. And so I called a friend of mine who was in the franchising world. And I said, how do I learn about franchising? And he said, there's franchise consultants. And I <laughs> didn't know. And most people don't know. Right. So I went through that person's process. And, and that's how I ended up buying my first franchise, which was the Pure Clean Restoration Company. And I ran and grew that successfully. And then um, I got married later in life and I had uh, kids later in life. And restoration is a great industry, but it's a 24-7, 365 type of work. And even as the company president, you know, it's still a 24-7 job. Right. And, you know, trying to raise a young family, it's not very conducive. So I thought the franchise consulting was a good uh, a job to transition into that would give me a better lifestyle. You know, then I got connected with uh, FranNet and decided to make the transition over to becoming a franchise consultant. So I'm sure you're able to take a lot of what you learned in the process of being a pure clean restoration franchise and really from a very personal standpoint, be able to help advise people. Yeah, and that's what makes what I do very um, uh, personal for me because I've been there, I've done it. You know, I'm, I'm a corp, what they call a corporate refugee, right? I was, you know, let go. <laughs> me too, Scott, me too. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of us out there. There are. And, uh, and I found the world of franchising and I found a business that uh, I loved and uh, grew a successful business and I enjoyed highly and learned a new skill. And, you know, I got, got to employ people and, you know, lots of good benefits from small business ownership. And I, and I made good money and, and it was a wonderful opportunity for me to get in. And I get to bring that to my clients uh, today. What exactly is a franchise and, and what isn't it? 
Well, to boil it down, a, a franchise is a vehicle for going into business for yourself. It's like starting any other business, right? So with my FranNet business, I have a legal corporate entity like any other normal business out there, except that, you know, in a franchise system, you belong to a larger community of other business owners that have been trained by your franchisor to do the same thing the same way in the training that you receive provides you with the knowledge and the ability to open your business, to operate your business, and to be successful at that, following a tried and true system. And that's what a franchise is. Well, I'm sure as I'm sure we'll talk about, there's probably differences in the degree of specificity or maybe the freedom that you have. But first, let's talk about some examples of franchises. You know, I'm sure most people, when they hear the word franchise, immediately think of maybe McDonald's. But I know from experience that a lot of businesses are franchises that people might be surprised about. Yeah, a a lot of people are surprised at, at the depth that franchise businesses get into. So, you know, some other examples are there's a franchise system that's in chiropractic care and it's a wellness business surrounded by uh, chiropractic care. There's a business in estate sales services. Didn't know that. And it's, it's a, it's a growing industry, right? Because people, as they age, you know, they've certainly collected, you know, an estate over, time. You know, we're talking about normal people. We're not talking about people who are, um, you know, rich or very well off. But it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. I mean, when my parents moved into assisted living, we had an estate sale company come in and they were a godsend. I mean, getting everything organized. Um, You know, they took a cut obviously, but it was a lot of work and they made short work of it. They knew exactly what to do and how to lay it out and how to price things. It was, you know, it was great. And the other thing they do is that the items that aren't sold at the estate sale, they find organizations to donate the items, you know, if they're wanted, right? So they don't go to waste and they don't go into the landfill. And anybody who's ever tried to downsize anything or simplify their life know that getting rid of stuff (laughs) is is a lot of work. In some cases, (laughs) if you knew how much work it would be, you wouldn't have bought it in the first place. All right. So there must be some other examples. I guess I'm thinking of, you know, like haircuttery or, you know, haircut places. I was surprised that True Value, the hardware store, We have quite a lot of those in the Midwest, at least. Those are franchises. Um, What about some other ones? So there are, you know, eyelash extension beauty salons. People are amazed at that. And um, that that is an absolute huge business. There are, you know, martial arts training dojo businesses. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, there's even... And this is pretty cool. There's a robotics, artificial intelligence, and coding education franchise for kids, right? So that's pretty new wave that's out there. Interesting. 
I'm guessing though that people don't always have a clear understanding about what a franchise is and isn't when they come to you. What are some of the most common misconceptions you've seen that people have? So, you know, most people, when I first speak with them and, you know, maybe they're attending a seminar or webinar, everybody thinks and knows about McDonald's, right? That's the world's largest and and best franchise out there, right? Some people say that was the first franchise. So everybody knows that pretty much all fast food is from a franchise. Uh, There's a lot of retail that's franchise. A lot of people think that that's all there is, but there's a lot more franchise businesses and systems out there. And we just talked about a couple of them but franchising is much broader than just food and retail. Another thing is people think going into business for themselves costs a ton of money. And although, you know, it is a serious investment, you don't need millions of dollars to open up a franchise business. So give an example of the range of fees that people might look at for different kinds of franchises. Sure. The fee range can vary wildly, right? So there are franchise businesses where the initial investment is anywhere from 50000 to 500000 Jokingly, there's a franchise for everybody out there, right? And it depends upon what our clients are looking for and the level of investment that they are comfortable making. Right, because nobody wants to worry about paying their bills while they're getting their business up and running. Right. So that's one of one of the things that we work with them uh, extensively on is what is their comfortable investment range. Doing my research with my clients and and what I have found is that because people always go, okay, well, what's you know kind of like the average you know investment level. And the best I can say is that a, a good investment level is, you know, somewhere between about one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's not that's not you know small change, but that's not undoable for most people. Well, I, I assume some of the franchises allow you to finance it in some way. Well. So the rule of thumb is that you're going to need about a third, 25 to 30% of the investment level or the initial investment in, you're going to have to bring that to the table. So we say that in cash, right? Yeah. That's Um, like your, your down payment on your house, basically. Right. The rest of it, you can finance and there's many different ways of financing the opening of your business. How much do you need to know about the industry you're looking at. I mean, I'm guessing I might be a bad person to think about buying a hair cuttery franchise because I, I don't cut hair, but maybe, maybe I'm off base there. Well, and that's the other, the third misperception that I was going to talk about is that, you know, people go, well, I I don't, I don't know about, you know, this industry. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be successful or I wouldn't be good at it. The fact is, is that most franchisors prefer that their new franchisees not have any direct experience in the business or the industry that 
you know, their business is in because they don't want their new franchisees to come on in with preconceived notions or biases or they don't want them to come in and go, I love the industry, but I want to do it this way. Ah, uh, right. And part of the reason you get into a franchise system is because the franchisor has a system, a tried and true proven system that they're going to teach you and train you in, then you need to implement that system. That is the path to success. I wouldn't have guessed that. So there's a misconception I had. Well, then if you don't need to bring knowledge, should you bring passion about the industry you're looking at? Or does that well, matter either? Well, before we get to the passion question, because that's, that's a whole different question, right? Franchisors are looking for people that have that entrepreneurial spirit, that have the drive and commitment to build a business. They're looking for people that have people skills, management skills, communication skills, and people that can, you know, follow, again, follow uh, that system. So, you know, that's really what they're looking for in, in terms of, you know, the, the quote unquote skill sets of their potential franchisees when, when they're going through this process. That's what they're evaluating their candidates on. But I, w- I would think, though, I mean, I know from trying to build businesses that it's a lot of work, a lot of long hours. There are things that are wonderfully rewarding about it, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And, you know, I only know from my little corner of the world that it would be hard for me to put in those kind of hours if I didn't wasn't passionate about what the purpose of the business is. So talk about what you need in terms of matching your passions with the right franchise. So this is an often debated question, right? Do you, you need to be passionate about the industry, the business, right? And this is how I might phrase it or, or put it into perspective. Everyone needs or is passionate about something in their life, right? Some people say our, our passions are, you know, maybe why the whys in our life. And that's certainly one thing when I'm working with my client, and we'll talk about process later on, I ask them, what's your why? Our whys, you know, they, they make us, you know, get up in the morning and, and do what we do. Right. They give us energy. Sometimes they might give us focus. Here's an example I'll give you. Me personally, I am passionate about being with my family, right? I have two small young children and a wife I love. And I love and I'm passionate about taking them up to my cottage in the, in the woods. There's no better place than I love to be my little boys on the dock chasing frogs. <laughs> or being in the woods and seeing a deer or some other wildlife. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of heaven. I am, I look forward to it every spring. And now that my boys are old enough, you know, they're asking me, Hey daddy, when are we going to go up to the cottage? Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's music to my ears. That's what I'm passionate about. Now I love being a franchise consultant. I think I have found, you know, my last, (laughs) my, my last, a job, you know, the last career. 
um, because I love I love helping people achieve their independence and seeing them take control of their destiny. That's powerful. I get an enormous sense of pride and satisfaction, you know, when I match a client to their to their business and they decide for themselves based on the due diligence that they've done that this is the right thing for them and their family and they are supercharged about going in the business and they can't wait to open their doors. Now I love that, but that's not my passion. Yeah. There is a difference. You're absolutely right. And there are some people who can take what they truly love and turn that into a business, but that doesn't happen for everybody, right? Now, if if you can intersect the two, what you love and what you're passionate about, that's great. And I think you're very lucky. And the person that comes to mind that has managed to do that is Oprah. Yep. She, she's a great lady, a very lucky lady because she's found her passion and she's married it with a business that has afforded her to earn to pay bills, right? That's the difference. Passion doesn't pay bills. <laughs> how, how well I know. Well, uh, Scott, I hate to interrupt you, but I need to ask you to hold your thoughts for just a second because we need to take a quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. So, Scott, before the break, we were talking about some of the aspects of what a franchise is and isn't and some different kinds of franchises. What are the pros and cons of franchising? What makes franchising a good option for people as opposed to, for example, just starting their own business from scratch? Sure. The three main benefits or the three reasons why people use a franchise system to go into, into business is it's a quicker way to get into business. It's generally a lower cost way to go into business and it's lower risk, right? Because this business system has been put through the ringer. It's been modified. It's been uh, changed by, you know, things that maybe didn't work. They've been pulled out right? And, and new things that work better than, than put in. And so, you know, it's a proven business system. Franchise system, some of them have name recognition. And so that can get um, uh, people walking into your door, right? Yeah. A franchisor trains you initially, sends you out there, and then they provide ongoing training and support. There have been studies out there that show franchise businesses have a lower failure rate than, you know, independent businesses. You know, the other thing that's interesting, you say it's lower cost, and that that made me think, too, because, you know, the numbers that you mentioned in the first part of the show were, uh, were pretty steep. And yet, you know, that made me start thinking when you mentioned that it's lower cost, that, when you start your own business, you may think you're in control and that it's, you know, hey, I only, I only have five grand to start and I'll work with that. But the fact of the matter is, is that 
it's a slow bleed <laughs> in many cases, as opposed to maybe a bigger upfront payment. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, because you got to think of all the people that you need to speak to about starting a business. You know, just think of an, an attorney that you're going to need to speak to about opening your business and your liability of, for providing a product or a service, generating contracts. Well, the marketing that you need to do. I've spent a lot of money on marketing over the years. That's, that's for right. sure. That's right. And then, you know, getting training in whatever you are doing and then finding insurance, knowing which, which insurance is, is the right insurance, uh, making sure that you have uh, the insurance that you do have uh, is the proper insurance to cover all your potential liabilities and there's no gaps. Finding an accountant and paying for uh, an accountant to uh, counsel you on the proper organization of your company. Uh, uh, just set, just setting up a website can be quite a, oh. a daunting task to know what kind of website you need and who's the right person to help you do it in a way right. that makes sense for you. Yeah, there's a lot more cost than people think. In, in the time that it will take to get all this done, a franchise system has done for you, put it into a package, you, you pay your franchise fee and get trained in it, and you're ready to go after you've been trained. What are some of the downsides, though? I mean, I'm sure not everybody is the right fit, as you mentioned, to be a franchise owner. So what are some of the limitations or downsides that people should think about? Franchising isn't for everybody. I do, I do agree with that. Some of the, the disadvantages are that there are you know, fewer industry options in franchising, right? Franchising is not in the manufacturing sector, right? There are very, very few manufacturing businesses in, in franchising. And then there are other limitations. Some franchisors can be very structured systems. Think McDonald's. McDonald's is very, very structured. You run that business by checklists. So if you want to introduce a new sandwich, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, not as a one-off, no way. You know, they have a whole committee uh, for that. But there are other systems that do have more flexibility. You just need to find, you know, which one is the right one for you. There are territory restrictions. You know what your territory is. You negotiate that with the franchisor before you sign your agreement. But you need to understand what their definition is uh, of a territory is yeah. and what you are allowed or not allowed to do uh, outside of your territory. That's a good point, too, that come to mind that you often see franchises very close together are Starbucks and Subway, for example. That's probably a very good question to ask. Uh, how much protection do you have to make sure that there's not a competitor plunked just a few blocks away. That's right. And that, that will be laid out in the franchise agreement, most certainly. You've mentioned your process. Talk about the process that you have people go through if they're interested in owning a franchise. 
So our process starts, as I mentioned earlier, you know, hopefully they've attended a webinar or seminar. We believe in, you know, educating our clients so they understand what a franchise system is and isn't, what small business ownership means and what it's capable of doing. Going from there, we have a, a one-on-one where, you know, we just find the basics of what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve. You know, we need to make sure that their spouse or their significant other is on board with this person going into business. Uh, Is their spouse or significant other going to work in the business? Then we have them take a personal franchise assessment survey, which gives us uh, a lot of information on them, you know, what their buyer motives are, what you know, skills and preferences they have. And then after that, we sit down with them and again, their spouse or significant other or partner, if they have a you know, business partner in the business, and we build a personal business model. This is where we get their input of what they want their company to look like, act like, and feel like. So we find out what industries they might have an interest in, what what their ideas of um, employees are, you know, how many, what type of employees. Are they interested in, um, you know, semi-absentee businesses, which are businesses where you only need to put in, you know, say 25 hours a week to run the business geographically, where they want their business to be located. So all these pieces of information, we build a business model. And then the business model and the PFA allow us to, to conduct our research to come up with anywhere from two to four businesses that match their goals and objectives. And then we present those to them. And then they start an exploration process of having weekly phone calls with each franchise or each week getting more and more information so they can make an informed decision if they want to go into business with one of them. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned family members. So I suspect a lot of franchises have family members who are involved in some way with the business. What are some things people need to think about? Because it sounds wonderful, but it also has <laughs> it also has the potential to uh, to create some heartburn too. Well, it it, it can, which is why that initial consultation is is very important and their if their spouse or significant other is not on board it can be a very short conversation um, <laughs> because because nothing if the spouse isn't supportive it's not going to go anywhere we know that for a fact there's a 0% success rate when the spouse or significant other is not on board so if there's any doubt there, you know, then we just coach our client either trying to get the spouse on board or, you know, thinking in other directions. Looking for plan B, right? Looking, looking for plan B. Again, they need to have a sense of timing. When are they prepared to go into business, right? Because once they go through this exploration, you know, and start talking to franchisors, uh, they're going to get to a point uh, where the franchisor is going to award them franchise, 
And um, then they're going to expect an answer from the client. Do you want to sign an agreement or not? So they're going to need to make a decision. And, you know, if they're not able to make a decision, uh, it's not like, hey, can I get back to you? And you know, Right. That door then probably gets closed because they think you're not ready. Yeah, the, fran yeah, the franchisor is going to move on and, and go on and start talking to the next person. Yeah. Right? So if your timeline's not within three to six months, you know, maybe then we need to wait until your timeline is better within that three to six months. Yeah. Uh, and again, your investment level, you need to have that conversation with your spouse, significant other or partner. And, you know, make sure that all parties are, are on board, that you have a sense of where you're going to get your cash portion of that and some level of idea, you know, where you might want to consider financing. Although we, we do have financing partners that we have them work with, you know, they need to have decent credit and, you know, they have to be, you know, in a, in a decent financial position Yeah, and they need to be committed and open to exploring, you know, new business opportunities. So what are some of the kinds of things that people should ask of different kinds of franchises? Because I'm, I'm sure they vary in terms of quality and flexibility and other things. So, so what are the, some of the kinds of questions that I should ask if I was interested in a franchise? Sure. You need to understand what the business model is who the customer is, how you reach them, what support the franchisor provides. Because, you know, one, one thing we didn't talk about in terms of the disadvantage, if I can make a tangent here, is we didn't talk about ongoing royalty payments, which is the number one thing that people bring up in terms of not liking a, a franchise system is this ongoing monthly royalty payment that they have to pay. And uh, that is true. The royalty payment covers, you know, the ongoing support and training in the license that, that you have to use the name, the trademark in, in the system. So that is a cost of doing business as a franchisee. And if, if you can't understand the value in that, then maybe, you know, franchising isn't for you. Um, so how, how much are royalty payments? I mean, does those vary a lot too? You know, it, it depends on the business, but I, I will tell you that the average royalty is, you know, somewhere between six and 8% of uh, revenue on a monthly basis. A lot of franchisors offer a declining scale. So as revenue goes up, there are break points, but you know, that, that will be listed in the franchise disclosure document. You will know what that is. You, you will be able to factor that into your financial model to help you decide whether or not you want to get into that franchise business. Nothing will be a surprise. You obviously want to match franchisors and franchisees, but you're, you know, your success long-term, it seems to me, is not just making a match, but making a match that's successful. And you've probably seen people who are really successful and people that things just didn't turn out well. What do you think makes for a really good match between a franchisor and a franchisee long-term in terms of success? Well, a, a good franchisee that is successful 
is a franchisee that follows the system, that believes in the product or service that they're offering, is a good corporate citizen, but more, most importantly, follows the system and gets out there and drives their business to success. The number one reason why franchise businesses fail is because the franchisee does not follow the system. Interesting. I I guess naively, I would have thought it's because maybe the franchise just didn't provide enough support or didn't really have its act together. But that may be a difference between the, you know, the screening process you've done at FranNet that you really partner with with good franchises and there's there's probably plenty of them out there that you might not even consider matching people with right that is correct we don't represent all franchisors we have a very extensive due diligence process that we put franchisors that want us to represent them we put them through we have a team in our corporate office that put franchisors through a, a checklist and if they meet our criteria, then we'll represent them. And, you know, they have to be a good, solid business. They have to have solid financials. We call actual franchisees of that franchise. And we ask them questions such as, did you feel that the training was appropriate, that you, you came out of training ready to go? Do you get the support from the franchisor? Uh, to continue, you know, supporting you in your growth? Are you making the kind of money that you thought you would be making? And would you do it again? Would you buy mm-hmm. the franchise again? Those are kind of like the top four questions. And then there's questions that branch off of those. But if the validation goes well, and they meet the other criteria, then we'll add them to our, our portfolio. So you actually, you bring a double benefit really to your clients in that you know how to help assess whether or not they're a good fit, but you've already done some of the legwork that's pretty important. You've been very diplomatic, but I'm sure what it means is that there are some franchises out there that uh, you need to ask a lot of questions about, right? Yeah, I, and I agree, yes, right? There are There are franchises out there that we don't want to be a part of at all, and we don't accept them into our, our program. And then there are partners, you know, franchisors that, that we represent, and maybe along the way, something occurs within the franchisor that's destabilizing, and they may put themselves on hold. They may right. come to us and go, hey, you know, we need to just put ourselves on hold and, until we get, until we write the ship. Or, you know, let's say I hear some information somehow, I'll go to my franchisor team and I'll tell them, hey, I heard this. And they'll kind of check in with the franchisor. And if we validate it and we find out that it's true and it doesn't meet our criteria, we'll put um, our partner on hold until they get back in compliance with our uh, validation criteria. (laughs) You know, it's interesting, isn't it, how some franchises seem to just be, you know, they're just so durable, like uh, a true value or maybe even McDonald's. And then then there are others, uh, you know, I'm, the one that 
comes to mind to me is Krispy Kreme. And at one point it was just, everybody wanted to have a Krispy Kreme outlet. And now I don't know, you find them at the grocery store, but I don't, I don't know when the last time I saw a Krispy Kreme store. Funny you mentioned that. I, the friend that helped me get into franchising in general, he worked for Krispy Kreme years, years, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe 15. And the first thing that happened with Krispy Kreme is they got away from their original premise of hot, fresh donuts. They put donuts in a box and they put them in the stores. So are those donuts hot and fresh? <laughs> They're definitely not, I can tell you. So the quality and what you're used to when you drive, when you see the flashing sign and you drive up and you go get that hot, fresh dripping donut, which is what made Krispy Kreme, then you go into a store, you have two different qualities. And that was the first mistake they made. So what happens to the franchisee, though, when the franchisor starts experiencing problems? I mean, what can you do to protect yourself? Well, again, you have the franchise agreement that will list what the, the franchisor is obligated to do for the franchisee. You know, and usually there's some type of, of workout depending on, on how bad it gets. You know, and it, it can get it can get real bad, and it's unfortunate if it, it gets to that point, which is why due diligence and just knowing the franchise or uh, that you're you're signing an agreement with, and you have confidence in that uh, that management team and that business model uh, is key. Any examples you can give of people who have been really successful in building a franchise other than yourself, of course, with pure clean. <laughs> you know, I know of several, well, uh, the person that, that I sold, you know, my pure clean to is another pure clean owner here in the Chicagoland area. And he started um, two or three years after I did. And today he owns five or seven territories, which is the most of anybody in the system. And he, I believe he's in uh, certainly in, in the top five in terms of revenue. He's doing 5 million a year. You know, that's another advantage of franchising. It's, you know, you think about just your little McDonald's or your dry cleaner or whatever, but um, if you're successful and really have ambitions, you can perhaps acquire multiple territories. And in that case, you're talking about a whole different animal, right? Yeah. I mean, it's important. There's two things that you need, you know, going back to the questions that you should ask. Two other important questions is how do I grow this business? If that's what you want, there are certainly franchise businesses that are out there that maybe you don't need a ton of money. Maybe, you know, you need some money and you, you want something to do and you want to give back to society maybe and do something for fun. And there are, there are businesses for that too. But what's your growth model, right? How do I grow this business? And I think a very important question that you need to ask yourself and ask the franchisor, you may not get an answer or know the answer, but what is my exit plan? 
before you get in, you have to at least know what your potential paths are for getting out. Right. It's funny. I tell my clients who are startups that you should begin with the end in mind. And people don't want to think about the end because it's so exciting to start something. But but it, it's really helpful to, to know what the exit options are and uh, how you can build those options into your daily decisions of investing in the business, right? The end of PuroClean for me was, was very exciting. I had started a business in the Great Recession. I struggled to get it going because of the economy. I grew it to a nice business over 10 years. I made good money. I sold my business for a nice profit and I transitioned into an even better business. All that was exciting to me. The end does not have to be a bad thing. It's just the beginning of the next thing. That's right. So I hear what you're saying, right? People don't want to think of the end, right? Most people think the end is a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. But in order to know what the end is in this situation, right? In a business situation, how to end your business. And that could be sell, transition, close, give away, you know, whatever. Sell customer base, I guess. Yeah. That's right. You need to understand what that those possibilities are at the start and then work towards that over a number of years. You can't work seven years and then at the eighth year decide, hey, I want to sell it and then your company not be in sellable uh, condition. That's the worst. Great advice. You know, Scott, the hour has just flown by and we are just about out of time. If people are interested in connecting with you to learn more about franchising, what's the best way for them to reach you? So the best way to reach me is to call me. Uh, my number is 312-806-9963. Or you can send me an email. It's S-M-A-J-E-S-K-I at frannet, F-R-A-N-N-E-T dot com. Scott, thanks so much for joining the show this week. It was great having you on. I learned a lot. Doris, thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And thanks again, especially to our guest today, Scott Majeski. He's the Chicago and Northwest Indiana managing partner of FranNet, joining me today to talk about everything to do with franchising. You can find more helpful information and resources for entrepreneurs on my website at globalocityservicesplural.com. And because this show is for you, my door is always open for comments, questions and suggestions, or just to shoot the breeze. Email me at dnagel at lakesradio.org and I promise you'll always get an answer from me. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.